Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer and Friends. And tonight we got a great show for you. It is Monday, uh, the 23rd of May. And I am coming to you live tonight from Lewistown, Montana. Now, I don't know how many of you know where Lewistown, Montana is, but it's kind of in the middle of the state, out in the eastern part. Um, absolutely beautiful. In fact, Every person we run into in Montana, when we tell them we were looking for a place to live, a lot of them would tell us, oh my gosh, you got to go to Lewistown. And we thought, oh, you know, but there's nothing out here because it's a lot of farmland. But um, when you get into the town, in fact, let me just show you. Um, I will show you what this town looks like. Hold on just a sec. I got to find the right video. Oh, here we go. So we just got into town and I came down here and set up everything for a podcast. And uh, so, so we just drove through and then Kathy went down and did a little bit of shopping. We're going to have dinner down there tonight. Really super nice place. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, well, and here's what it looks like. That's the courthouse. This is the county seat. And that's the downtown area. And it's 5,000 people. Um, and just a really super cool little place. So we're going to go explore that tonight and tomorrow. And then we're headed to Grand Falls. Um, in this little town of Winnet, um, there are 206 people. And Kathy and I went in and um, this is the place we ate today. It's the only place in town. There's 206 people in town, 496 people in the entire county. It's the least populated county in Montana. And they don't take kindly to left-leaning people. Um, as you can ex imagine, they are big Trump supporters. And uh, <laughs> there are signs all over. Um, I didn't post any of the ones on Biden, uh, the negative ones they have about Joseph Biden, our president, because some of you would get uh, offended. Um, but they had plenty of those as well. And um, it's, it's a very interesting little town. They said, they were talking to me, and they said that... Um, I mean, they just don't mince words. These are people who tell you exactly what they think. And they just said, you know, um, we don't have any tolerance for people not working, people not doing their best. Um, you know, that was kind of their whole thing. They said when the mask mandate came in in their schools um, for about a week, the kids wore a mask. And then the kids just finally said, we're not doing it anymore. They took off their masks, didn't put them back on, and uh, they, they left them off. Uh, the teachers called the parents and the administrators and said, you know, your kids aren't wearing masks. And they said, well, they don't want to, so they don't have to. And a week later, the masks were gone. Um, that's kind of how they do things in Montana. So, so, you know, like it or not, that's what it is. Um, but this is a super interesting little area. Um, the other thing I wanted to show you is here's something you haven't seen for a while. Check this out. We found gas for $4.09 a gallon, $4.09. And that was in Glendive, Montana. <laughs> I mean, Kathy and I looked at each other and said, can you believe we're excited about $4.09 for a gallon of gas? Also, coming up a little later, Bill London will join us. And he has news about, you know, Trudy from Along Came Trudy's. Um, the OLCC uh, took her liquor license away today. Um, so he'll have more on that. Also, the Oregon Health Authority is telling parents of 5 to 11-year-olds 
that they should get their kids vaccinated <clears throat> or boosted at least if they haven't been. And Bill will have more on that and, and more information. Um, Saturday was the 24 year anniversary of the Thurston High School shooting. At the end of our show, I'm gonna play a video a compilation of things that were put together back in the KZI days. I air this every year because I think it's important that we never forget what happened and that we never stop repeating the names of the people who were killed in our community. And so we're going to have that for you tonight. Also going to show you some other things. So Kathy and I were in Miles City, Montana. Let me tell you also real quick, our sponsors, Chris Daniel Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. Transworld Business Advisors, Lonnie Woodruff, where if you're looking to dream and get out of your life and have something new, he can help you do that. <clears throat> and also Bucks Sanitary Service. And we'll have something from each one of them. So here is Mile City, Montana is very far east. It's about maybe two hours from the border of North Dakota. And Kathy and I were there the other day watching the horse bucking. Uh, th these people, what they do is they bring bucking horses to this, this, uh, the, the stadium and riders ride them. And then people who have rodeos all over the United States come there to bid and buy bucking Broncos. So take a look at this. Come on, South Dakota! Hey! Miles City Star Buck and Cheer! Oh, it was so fun. It was, um, it was, it was a real kick to watch that. And then we went over to Glendive, which isn't far from there. It's maybe, oh, an hour and a half or so from there. And that's the Badlands of Montana. And let me give you some information here because I thought this was really interesting. Um, we found a brewery there. Um, they have a place called Makashita, Makashika. And what that park, it's a park, 11,000 acre park. And what that means in Lakota is Badlands or Bad Spirits. And so Kathy and I went into the park. You can go in there. There's all kinds of trails. There's all kinds of places to drive around. We went running. So we ran nine and a half miles and I have a little bit of video here for you. Look at that view. Yeah, it is absolutely stunning. <clears throat> I would honestly say it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen, especially this time of year because it's spring. And so instead of being dried out, there's a lot of green out there and it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, and then last week we were in Butte, Montana and I'm hoping the video, it looks like it's kind of running slow here. I don't know what's going on on your guys' end, 
<clears throat> I hope this story works. If it doesn't, I'm going to pull out of it and we'll do something different. But first of all, before we get going any further, I'm going to show you a Butte, Montana. Kathy and I got to go 100 feet down into a mine. Um, and we talked with a guy who runs the place. So here's that, here's that story for you. I'm the curator here at the World Museum of Mining in Butte, Montana. Specifically in Butte, the first placer miners or prospectors arrived in 1864. Um, we had shafts sunk into the ground by 1866. And what do they mine here mostly? So the primary ore coming out of the ground for most of Butte's mining history was copper. However, the original placer miners, those prospectors, showed up looking for gold coming from places like Bannock and Virginia City. They would eventually run into silver here, and then those silver mines a few hundred feet down started turning more into copper veins. Um, the copper veins and the copper ore here did contain gold and silver, uh, as well as zinc, manganese, lead, and a few other uh, minerals like molybdenum, which the Continental Pit are operating mine today. They are mining copper and molybdenum. So the first, probably first few years of the camp being around, at most a few hundred people. It would get into the thousands um, by the mid 1860s, but then by the 1870s began dropping off again. By 1874, there were only about 90 people left in the town. Um, but then in 1875, there was a little bit of a boom for silver and that population started to come back as they were starting to go for the silver instead of just focusing on the gold. So I'm gonna snuff this candle out. We'll leave the lights off for just a minute. We won't be in total darkness because there's still light coming in from the door, but it'll give you kind of an idea. So this is pretty dark. So what's mostly mined here now and how many people are miners? The majority is copper um, and the molybdenum coming out of the continental pit. And I believe they currently employ just over 370 people. So mining in Montana is a big deal. It is. Uh, there are mines, not just here in Butte, but uh, over to the west, you have the Stillwater Platinum Mine. Over to the east, you have the coal mines that were in eastern Montana. Um, and then, of course, you have places like Virginia City and Bannock, which were gold mining camps that eventually uh, turned into towns. And Bannock is a town you can visit now, ghost town, uh, so to speak, meaning that it's a town that was abandoned. Uh, it didn't survive because the gold dried up. Um, same as you can find in places like California, Nevada, why do you do what is what is this you love this i do this is history has always been a passion for me ever since i was a kid um when i moved to butte a couple years ago this is my father's hometown uh, and my great great grandfather moved to butte in 1871 um, so when it was right about to die, uh, my great-great-grandpa decided Butte's the place I want to live. And they were all electricians, my family. Um, so although they worked in the mines, they never were miners themselves. They supported the miners as electricians. But it's part of my history. It's part of my family. Uh, and history, my, for me, is just the most important thing we can talk about. Um, Why? Because knowing where we come from and how we got here, to me, is how we continue to move forward in a better way as a species, as humanity. Um, we can learn a lot of lessons from our history, from people who have done things before. Instead of making the same mistakes, we can take their, their knowledge, their information, the things they've been through, and learn from it and help us to progress further and, and make better changes and better decisions for ourselves. So it seems like now we almost discount history rather than looking at it and saying yeah okay they did it wrong but they did it right for their time and how do we go you know what i mean yep for sure best thing about butte montana the people 
and the community. Um, one of the things I like to talk about here, I'm a former Marine, uh, and so that, that brotherhood kind of defines who I am as a person. And one of the things I learned about the people here in Butte is that that brotherhood, that sisterhood, that familial connection between complete strangers is everywhere here. Uh, and a lot of that comes from just the mining history. Um, we had 31 different cultures living in Butte from all over the world. A lot of those had those old world rivalries, but when they went underground, they couldn't have those. When you were working with the guy next to you, it's all you had. And so those guys, as they worked together, learned to cooperate, learned to trust one another, and that trust started to form up on the surface as well. And so that community grew very, very tight-knit, and people in Butte care about people in Butte. It doesn't matter where you came from before, once you become a person from Butte, once you're in Montanan, you're a Butte person. And that's why we also call ourselves Butte America, because we kind of see ourselves as just not just part of Montana, but part of America. We're all in this together. We're all one community and we all care about each other. Gosh, what would that be like? All in this together. Um, I heard that spouted a lot during the pandemic, but it, we weren't really in all this together, were we? Um, not even close. Um, we were pitted against each other. We were divided against each other. Um, and we're still allowing that to happen. And it needs to stop. When you come into places like, no, nah, Montana's not perfect. I'm not saying it is. What I'm saying is people try here. I mean, it's kind of live and let live. And Oregon used to be like that. It used to be a state where people didn't have to all get along. Back in the day, you could elect a Mark Hatfield and you'd have Senator Wayne Morse who supported Mark Hatfield. Morse was a Democrat. Hatfield was a Republican. They didn't care. It was more about what they believed in, not what party they belonged to. And you see that here in Montana. And you see, heard that man saying that right there about Butte. And that's what we need to get back to. This changes people's lives, don't you? Oh, I know it. I know it does. It's uh, and I'm up front. I'm very transparent. Owning a business is hard work. Like if you if you don't have it in you, like I'll even say maybe buying a business is not for you, and that's okay. Entrepreneurship is hard. It's the it's where all the metaphors come from. The grit, bootstrapping, like all that stuff comes from you know running a business. You you, you can't. But when, you know, it, but when it works, well, yeah, when it works, and more often. It works than doesn't, especially if you buy an existing business and we kind of go through it. We'll have a training process, everything like that. Even the sellers care about their baby that they've worked on. They'll make sure you're successful before they give you complete reign and not, they're not going to let you fall on your face. Good evening from the News Radio 1120 AM and 93.7 FM, KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London. Host of the Wake Up Call, 6 a.m. to 9, Monday through Friday mornings. And here's a look at some of the stories that we're following. Well, the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission has voted now to cancel the alcohol license of a Springfield restaurant that remained open in violation of Governor Kate Brown's COVID restrictions in December of 2020. The OLCC voted to pull the liquor license for along came Trudy for, quote, violating liquor service rules while acknowledging that the underlying issues of the case were political arguments that would need to be sorted out by the courts. Now, that's from the OLCC. 
In reviewing the Springfield case, commissioners claim they balanced the challenges of all restaurants facing in operating compliantly during the pandemic and the big picture legal questions raised by their counsel. However, after deliberation, commissioners agreed with the findings of an Oregon administrative law judge that a long came Trudy stayed open for inside dining despite Governor Kate Brown's executive decree that limited that activity because of COVID. Oregon anti-gun groups are now locked and loaded to collect signatures to put an initiative on November's ballot that would require people to buy a permit before they could buy a gun, and it would stop the sale of gun magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. Initiative Petition 17 would also require people to pass a background check before buying a gun. Now, under current federal law, a firearms dealer can sell you a gun without a completed background check if the check takes longer than three business days. And even though we have heard anecdotally from gun stores all over the place that many people were waiting weeks and months to get their guns, the Oregon State Police Firearms Instant Check System, which tracks when a gun sale is denied and why, actually hasn't updated its data since January of 2021. Now, there'd be exceptions under the initiative for high-capacity magazines if they're going to people in the military or law enforcement. Those who already own high-capacity magazines, what they call high-capacity, could get to keep them, but they couldn't sell them or transfer them to anybody else. Permits to buy a gun would be for five years and renewable. The campaign has to collect 140,000 signatures for the petition by July 8th. The gun control advocates are focusing on initiative petition 17, although they have two. They say they're not planning on collecting signatures for initiative petition 18, which is way more draconian, which they say they'll work instead to have passed in the next legislative session. Initiative Petition 18 would essentially ban selling and manufacturing of most modern semi-automatic guns in Oregon, pistols, shotguns, and rifles. And they say it would be part of a long-range approach. They say they hope that Initiative 17 will get on the ballot and pass. Then they hope that development, quote, gives the legislature the courage to pass a ban on almost all semi-automatic weapons next year. And for those that own them right now, they would have to register them with the state and they would only be able to use them on their own property or at gun ranges. Well, the Oregon Health Authority has adopted its first set of final administrative rules related to psilocybin, also known as shrooms. These new rules would specify requirements for products, testing, and training programs using psilocybin mushrooms for certain psychological disorders. Well, with authorization by the Western State Scientific Safety Review Workgroup, the OHA is now suggesting that parents with kids ages to 5 and 11 now get their kids vaccinated with a third dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. This follows the recommendations by the FDA and the CDC last week. The Oregon Health Authority says children five and older who are not immunocompromised should get a booster at least five months after receiving their second dose of the vaccine. 
Well, more fun with the Clackamas County clerk, that would be Sherry Hall, where now, during a press conference, she admitted she didn't act quickly enough to deal with a major election issue that continues to delay results from the May primary. Hall first revealed the issue almost two weeks before Election Day when she learned that voters were receiving ballots with blurry barcodes that couldn't be counted in the counting machines. Hall said in a news conference that she knew it would cause an issue, and when asked why she didn't do anything sooner, she said, I just didn't. I don't have any other reason but just to say I didn't. And prior to that press conference, Oregon Secretary of State Shamia Fagan started throwing Hall under the bus in a statement saying, unfortunately, Clackamas County elections did not respond to this crisis with appropriate urgency during the past two weeks. Voters and candidates deserve timely and predictable adult uh, results, which we have not seen so far. Right now, it's estimated that approximately 75% of the ballots that have been received by Clackamas County have not been counted. And finally, Albertsons and Safeway, along with JIF, also known as JM Smucker Company, Sunday, those companies recalled 11 store-prepared items sold at Safeway and Albertsons due to possible salmonella contamination of JIF peanut butter products that were recalled a day before. The recall items at Safeway and Albertsons include well, things like peanut butter bakery items, like mini peanut butter cream pie and chocolate peanut butter cups, deli snack peanut butter trail mix combos, and a variety of other convenience foods like peanut butter and apple slices, peanut butter and celery sticks, and a variety of combination ready meals, meals that contain peanut butter. If you got those, throw them away, take them back for a refund, but don't eat them. So far, they don't believe anybody has gotten sick from salmonella from those products. All right, Rick, time for you to get real. That's a wrap for me. And back to Rick. So can you believe that, that the, the elections clerk in Clackamas County just, she knew there was a problem and she doesn't do anything about it. And what about her boss, Shamia? What, what, what do you look at? I'd say that woman probably needs to be fired. Oh, it, it, it is maddening. It is absolutely maddening. In fact, Dr. Bratlin says it just perfectly for me. This is Dr. Michael Bratlin with Chris Dental. Oregonians allowed the lockdowns to remain in effect for two long years. Two years. We allowed government officials to dictate what we put on our face and what we put on our bodies with little opposition and not enough questions. Why do I bring this up now? Because trust me, they will bring back masks next winter after the elections. Next time, don't be complacent. Actually, follow the science and let your voices be heard. Next time, stand up to these power-hungry politicians. funny things that we found in this little town today. Um, I got to look at the name again, Winnet. Um, 
they knew exactly how many Democrats and how many Republicans voted. They said there's 39 Democrats in our county and we're friends with all of them, but we do tell them exactly how we feel. And wouldn't that be great to live in a place where you can talk about how you feel about politics and you have to live in the same community so you don't get all riled up about it? Um, you know, you, you hope that we can return to that one of these days. Um, the divisiveness, the division, uh, the screaming, the yelling, uh, you, you wouldn't believe some of the comments I get from people and people coming on and going, Rick, you've changed. I haven't changed. Everybody changes. I haven't changed really. It's just that now I'm telling you what I think and you don't like it. So you didn't really like me. What you liked was um, the me that you thought I was. And so maybe it's time that people just accept people for what they are, who they, what they believe in. And, um, you know, cause there's a lot worse things going on in the world. Um, every year, this time of year, um, I replay this video because I think we have to remind ourselves and some people don't like it, so they should turn off now. But this is about the Thurston high school shooting that happened 24 years ago on Saturday. And, um, it changed who we are. Um, it changed our community. Uh, for the, uh, and I think we saw something that we never thought could happen here, but it also brought us together. Um, I think Springfield did a really great job of um, not allowing uh, what happened in other communities to happen in our community. We stood together. We stood behind each other. We lost four people in our community, Faith and Bill Kinkle. We lost Ben Walker and Michael Nicholson. Um, four people gunned down by um, an unnamed person. I don't use his name. It's in this story, but I don't use his name because I don't talk about killers. I talk about the victims. Um, but what that, it changed my world completely. I've never reported the same way. That's when I started becoming real. All of a sudden, I just didn't give a shit about doing the news job. And I started caring more about the place where I lived. Um, maybe that's what we learned from this. I don't know. Um, we did it once in a horrible, horrible situation. I think we can do it again, but we have to stop allowing people to tell us what to do. We have to stop speaking for ourselves. We have to stand up for people, for all people, not just the people that are in our party. And, and we got to stop picking on people and picking apart what they say. Um, let's take a look at this and uh, just remember uh, what we've been through and what happened and hopefully um, we're going to come to a better place somewhere. A tragic situation at Thurston High School this morning. A boy, a boy armed went into the cafeteria at 8 o'clock this morning. Go ahead and start sending them out. I'll get the medicants here. If it was your daughter, you would. You'd be here. You'd be worried. Linda! <laughs> Some have been transported, some have minor injuries. But this is a list of people who have been involved in the shooting. Michael McLaughlin. Yes, my boyfriend was killed today. Um, he was a junior. He was 17 years old. Um, he was really quiet. Um, he was really smart. I just want to know, we want to know who did it. He was the sweetest guy. I've never met my whole entire life. And he was so innocent. So was everybody. Now it looks like we may have two teachers and or former teachers who are also dead. So this story keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Not only do we have... I would ask a, a moment of silent prayer, please. 
I think prayer at the present time is uh, the best uh, recourse that we have. Uh, we will get through this. I will give you the young man's name who was taken into custody. His name is Kiplan Pinkle. He's 15 years old. Tell me that again. Voted most likely to start World War III. He liked explosives a lot. Yeah, he came in shooting with the, um, the 22 caliber rifle. Jake was the first one to attack him. After we had tackled him and had held him down, he turned up to us with a serious look in, in his eyes and looked at us and said, just shoot me, shoot me now. You can just tell it was, everything was gone inside of him. I just couldn't believe it. I see it on the news every day, every single time. Fayetteville, Tennessee, Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, Jonesboro, Arkansas. It's other, other places. It's never here. Pearl, Mississippi. And I never expected it to be in my school, never. But it happened. It <laughs> happened. And now today in Springfield, Oregon. I don't know. We're all parents. We've all, you know, I'm a parent too. Could be our kids. I don't really know what to say. It's a sad day. What I remember most about that day um, was being there and um, standing in a group of people, reporters, and they were reading off the names of the kids who'd been shot. And um, they named off the kid's name. And the mom was standing next to me, and she let out this scream. And uh, I will never forget that. Um, affected me in a big way. And um, it's a part of my history. It's a part of who we are. It's a part I don't want to forget. Um, and I don't think we should. So see how much better we are than, than what we are giving our self credit for right now. We can do so much more than what's happening right now. It doesn't have to be like this. Um, it doesn't. I'm Rick Dancer, live from Lewistown, Montana. We'll be back tomorrow night uh, with more and um, yeah, just think about that. Have a good night.